0: Uh, Somebody just gave me another thing to announce here. It's the 14th annual International Forgiveness Day. It's coming right up on Sunday. So, if any of you are... then there's a event at uh, Dominican University, San Rafael. But it's not a Spirit Rock event, so... So I'd like to come back to um, the subject I raised before meditation, um, which is partly about, um, is it useful to have instructions or not? (laughs) And um, this is also something to do with, um, you know, what are we here for on the planet? What are you here for on planet Earth? and uh you know i'm i'm going to talk in my my vernacular so you know it may or may not speak to you as far as that goes but you'll see <laughs> Um, I've just been, you know, quite struck over the last number of months how much um, Buddhism seems has seems to start sounding like, you know, American culture. Uh, and American culture seems to be, you get a, a kind of whole list of rules, what you should do and what you shouldn't do, and then people talk about these and argue about them, and what's good and what's bad, and you should never behave like that, and, you know, and, and then um, And, obviously, you know, if everybody did what they were supposed to do, everything would be okay. (laughs) But, usually, like, you start to feel after a while, you're the only one who's doing what you're supposed to do. (laughs) And then these other people, like, what are they doing? (laughs) Um, But I'm not sure this was ever, you know, a workable model. You know, doing what you're supposed to do, everything will be okay. Are your parents really happy now with you that you've been doing this all your life? <laughs> what they what you thought they were you were supposed to do to make them happy and to to benefit them and you you were doing it all to make it all you know work for them and to be somebody that they would love and support and take care of. And we all did that. It's called love. You know, let's see if we can make it work for mom and dad. Um but somehow they never got it. Yeah. You know. So I sometimes say to people, for instance, about meditation, maybe you could study and learn how to be the parent you always wanted that you never had. Now are there instructions for that? (laughs) I haven't seen them yet. (laughs) But still, you know, I think it's important that you, that any one of us, we have our uh, you know, when you start to take responsibility for your life, one of the things you do is you have a vision. You start to have a vision or what What do I want to do in my life? What's What am I called to do in my life? And, uh, you know, because if we're not careful, we just are going to do, see if we can make it work for everybody else and we're going to see if we can do the right thing and And stay below the radar, so we don't get sniped at, you know. Um, And maybe we're good and careful and we can escape being spotted. Because we have the feeling a lot of the time, I think, that if somebody notices anything, it's bad news. (laughs) Jack used to joke about that, you know, when I was doing Vipassana retreats. How come self-knowledge is always bad news? (laughs) Anyway, and uh, so just to finish up a little bit on that, you know, it seems like a lot of times Buddhism is presented as, here's what to do so that you can be a good person and a good Buddhist and things will work so much better in your life then. And I don't think it's that simple, you know. At least it wasn't that simple for me, you know. Um, and I don't know what possessed me, but I decided pretty young, um, you know, something like, you know, I want to find out how to be in this body, in this place, experiencing what I'm experiencing, and how to live with that. And I thought pretty early as a teenager, why would I just want to, like, if some desire comes into my head, oh, I should do that. And I thought, well, what, I just want to be a slave to whatever happ- next desire that happens to come along, and chase after it? I, I don't think so. So, you know, I, I found Zen and then Vipassana. And <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, it's not easy to... It's not easy to be in this body, in this place, experiencing what you're experiencing. You know, and just and just be with it. This is not, it's not easy. You know, after a while here, we're sitting here, and then you can feel in the room. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be with this. I don't, I don't know. And so what are we going to do, you know? And then so what's the answer? Nobody knows. Um, a friend of mine the other day, Polly Young Eisendrath gave a talk at the DeYoung on Saturday, and she said, she quoted Leonard Cohn, who said, this doesn't work, you know. <laughs> Life doesn't work for anybody. <laughs> and, um, and she said when he was in London, he talked about all the things that he'd done to see if he could get it to work. You know, and the various, you know, Zoloft and Ritalin and various things. And, you know, and he's a world-famous artist. And then, and then how do how do you get it to, <laughs> you know, work? It's only the first noble truth I'm talking about, you know, Buddhism says. But then, you know, Leonard says it, and then you start to think, well, huh. <laughs> and then her uh, second citation was Bob Dylan, who apparently at one point said, The shadowy past is alive and vast. (laughs) So this is, again, one of the things that happens when you sit down to be calm and spiritual and concentrated and focused and free from suffering. (laughs) And and then your legs hurt and, you know, (laughs) and your mind is going and um, and you're feeling things, and it's distressing, and it's upsetting, and there's anxieties, and... Uh, and then the more you meditate, it only gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> Is this good news or bad? You know, <laughs> At least that's what happened to me. You know, I think, well, I like to think there's some people who kind of breeze through, but actually, when I look closely, Nobody breezes through, you know. So what are we doing here, you know, in this sort of unworkable <laughs> circumstance? <laughs> and you have a few successes and a few failures and you know, some moments of happiness and joy, some moments of unhappiness and pain and what's it what do we what what's 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 with that? So, you know, of course, one of the basic pieces of advice is, so don't try to make it work. What were you thinking? (laughs) Uh, One of my dear friends, George Lane, used to say that about um, relationships. He said, "Um, my relationship got much better as soon as I stopped trying to make it work. But, you know, all of these things are within a certain context and, on the other hand, there's something to be said for seeing if you can make something work. So, whatever, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What um, Polly Young-Eisendrath said on Saturday was, um, you know, it's one thing she said as a therapist is that she sees people and they come to see her and she listens really carefully and after, you know, a few months or a year or two, they say, You're really annoying me. (laughs) I don't. I don't like the way you talk to me, and you know, you question me about things, and I don't like being questioned like that. And she says it's not going to help to say, you know, you're sounding a lot like your. You're sounding your description of me is sounding like the way you've been telling me your mother is. (laughs) And that's not going to cut it, you know. That's, (laughs) or I think that, or if they come in and they say, "You are so," I'm just starting to really fall in love with you. And you can't just say, oh, I think that's your transference. (laughs) (laughs) So so you're, we're all in this business where at some point we're going to, whether it's your own or other people's past, as she put it, that's alive and vast, you know, quoting Dylan, we're all, we're going to be with that. And then in some ways we're kind of have a chance to redo it today. But it helps to notice that we're in the past, you know, with our, what we're feeling and experience, and, and that this is maybe today, and is there some way to see through our past to, to today, you know, and actually have today, and have the, a moment that's not colored by this um, past and all the things that happened, especially when we were very small. So, um, I'm going to set that aside for a little bit, and then talk about some meditation in a bit, and then we'll see, we'll make it back to this a little bit about, you know, the past that comes along. And in this sense, I want to uh, talk about some experiences that I've had, and that I sometimes suggest, and I will tonight, that you consider. Um, one of the, again, one of the pictures that people, seems to be portrayed about Buddhism and about meditation practice is that you could, if you were skillful, savvy, competent, capable, you know, produce a mind that was imperturbable, (laughs) (laughs) diamond-like, insightful, uh, generous, kind, compassionate, And you could produce this mind and then you could have it and keep it. (laughs) And you probably just need to like be on the lookout for the things that are arising in your mind that are not this and eliminate them. (laughs) Those aspects that don't fit. And don't fit the picture of what you've set out to accomplish. I will produce the imperturbable mind of the Buddha. If any of you, this is a little aside, but I just read this summer um, Stephen Batchelor's book, Confession of a Buddhist Atheist. Mm. The Buddha lived in pretty painful times and he had to, the king in where he was, you know, that he had to the king was sort of his sponsor. And if the king didn't like you, you're in bad shape. And this king was not always a really nice king. He had a few of his, like his brother or his prime minister or people who had been loyal to him for years, he had them murdered or killed or things because he he got suspicious or, you know. And then he comes to the Buddha and says, well, what do you think of this? And, you know, the Buddha's not in much position to say... um, Well, excuse me, but if you were being a good Buddhist, you would never kill anybody like that. (laughs) He's got to kind of schmooze it and kind of finesse it. (laughs) This is so fascinating. We're all in this business of like schmoozing and finessing and... And somehow putting up with things that like you would never put up for with, you know. But it seems to come to that at some point, you know. Anyway, um so um I- we have this sort of picture and then this is the way Buddhism often presented, is you could produce this great mind, this great awareness, and have it and keep it. So all you need to do is be on the lookout for evil desires, bad things that are, you know, coming up. Of course, the more you're on the lookout, as some people have said, you know, how anxious are you when you're on the lookout? (laughs) So already you've set up, you know, an undoable circumstance. I'm going to be on the lookout, but I'm going to be really calm about it. But as soon as something you don't like or is inappropriate arises, you'd want to be able to spot it and eliminate it early on. So you want to be pretty watchful. (laughs) And then you might want to have a bit of an attitude about it so that when that something appears in your awareness, it knows damn well that you don't want it there (laughs) and responds appropriately by leaving. If any of you have tried this, you know, maybe it's working for you. This never worked for me. <sighs> so, um, I I had to um, become creative. I didn't have to, but I decided, you know, again, like I decided, I want to, I want to be able to be here in this place, in this time, in this body, with these experiences, you know, what some people say, you know, show up. Don't run. Don't hide. You know, show up. Be here. And um, so, but it's better if it comes from you. What do you want? Well, I wanted to show up. And then I wanted to, I wanted to find out, well, what do I do? How do I work on this? So I, I I started to notice, you know, for instance, uh, some days I'd be uh, sitting meditating, and I'd start to think, what What am I doing here in this cold, dark room? <laughs> I could be outside in the sunlight, walking in the woods. <laughs> Wouldn't that be preferable to sitting here? And um you know, maybe a hot pastrami sandwich, or <laughs> whatever it happens to be. You know, peanut butter and honey. I, at Tassahara, I, you know, we had town trips, and I got peanut butter and honey and rye crisps. Anyway, um, so you're meditating, you start to have these ideas. And the usual, on, I, you know, then the usual understanding would be, how do I eliminate these desires? <laughs> how do I get them to go away, and not bother me? Because <laughs> I'm doing a spiritual practice, and I'm meditating, and, excuse me, I don't think you understand. And you know, then your mind goes like, "No, I th- it would really been it really would be nice for your walk, and you know what? you 're no fun ever since you <laughs> ever since you started meditating, you're no fun at all. You're just sitting and meditating all the time, and we don't get to have any good times And you know, some of us we like to enjoy ourselves, and apparently you don't. I don't know what's wrong with you anyway Well, I'm going to be spiritual now i'm you know, so you trying to work these things out and what do you do, you know? So I endeavored to eliminate these desires and, you know, talk, explain to them, we're doing spiritual th- something different now. This is practice, it's meditation. And so, but it dec- started to occur to me, like, why are these desires coming up? What does this say about the way I've been meditating? It says, like, I'm going to be serious and I am going to do it right. I am going to follow the instructions. (laughs) I am determined nothing will get in my way, (laughs) nothing will stop me. I will do this better than anybody in history ever has. (laughs) Because I will be more sincere and dedicated than anybody possibly could ever have been, ever. Now, how much fun is that? (laughs) You see, you know, so it started, it started to occur to me, like, you know, probably the reason these desires come up and look for some place to enjoy themselves is probably because my meditation isn't much fun. The way I'm doing it is very serious. And then, you know, I started, you know, every so often it starts to occur to you, huh, The five factors of concentrated absorption. Mental application, sustained application. This is effort and serious, that's good. Joy. Joy? This is practice to have joy, huh? (laughs) And uh, ease, pleasure. I guess I don't know how to have joy and pleasure. I'm busy being a spiritual person. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, as a remedial spiritual person, I decided, like, you know what, I need to learn how to enjoy meditation. And maybe the more I enjoy meditation and it's pleasurable, then the less some desire will come along and say, let's get out of here. And this is what the classically what the texts say, you know, if you are enjoying the place where you are and doing what you're doing, your mind does not look somewhere else for that enjoyment. So it's not that you develop a better skill at eliminating desire, it's that you become more joyful. I mean, if you had a little ease and permission and you know, decided, this is for me. This is what I decided. This is for me. I will find out how to enjoy this. And maybe I could enjoy my breath. And then, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh comes along and says, why don't you enjoy your breath? Mm -hmm. And at Green Gulch in 1983, you know, he said, while we were doing walking meditation, some of you are not smiling. (laughs) You're wasting your time. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought I was practicing Buddhism. So it turns out that there are these various ways to look at things. What are you up to? You know, what are any of us up to? And, you know, the more you try to establish a certain mind, all the other minds that are yours and possibilities for you and your freedom, the mind is naturally free, you know. So, if you're not going to include it in your conscious focus, your mind will say, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> See where we can have that. I mean, this is classic, you know, for spiritual people, you know, who are in the news from time to time, you know, Jimmy Swaggart or whatever, you know, fundamentalist <laughs> preachers. and. Catholic priests, and... <laughs> oh. <coughs> so, is there some way to have, uh, you know, joy, pleasure, ease, and have that be part of it? And in, and somehow that's not enough to just, you know, it's hard to make that a focus, though, you know? Because the more you focus on it, the more you start to work, and the more you start to leave it out, because that's what you've always done. You know, what did you do? I, are you enjoying your? Are you? En- do you enjoy this moment? Is there some way to enjoy this moment? And it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. You're, you know, nothing. You know, we think if it, it when it gets good enough, okay, I'll relax and enjoy it. But in the, if it, until it's really good enough, I I better work. So, sometimes I suggest, why don't you see if you could love somebody like yourself, who's less than perfect? Or somebody you live with who's less than perfect? And is it possible to love somebody who's not perfect? Polly told us, my friend, the psychoanalyst, psychotherapist who's Jungian, by the way, and and she said a few years back, and she wrote about this in her book, The Self-Esteem Trap, you know, where there's so many kids who are brilliant and, and smart and everything they do, mom and dad say, that's great. Oh, that's wonderful, honey. And then they go to school. If the, parent, if the teachers actually want them to do some work, they go to the school, why are you being so mean to my child? You need to encourage and support them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they get out in the world and like, and she said, one young man came to see her and said, in the first five minutes, you know, I'm superior to anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) And I found this out, um, you know, everybody I meet, and after, sometimes in a few minutes, all they need to do is open their mouth and I know I'm superior, and sometimes it takes a day or two, occasionally a week, and then I know I'm superior, and why would I be friends with someone who's not as good as me? So he says, can you help me with this? I I don't know how to have friends. (laughs) I think some people are such good meditators, they may not know how to have <laughs> friends but anyway another another subject <laughs> so um joy uh ease pleasure you know if you're if you're if you're distraction you know what is the nature of your distraction what's coming up then how do you include that and the, typically the idea in Buddhism is let's. Let's see if we can invite that in to meditate with us, rather than going out and doing what it would like to do. Do you understand? So similarly, you know, if you're getting, when you're getting angry a lot, like one day I finally, I was thinking in meditation, this is stupid. (laughs) This is really idiotic. This meditation is horrible. It's such a dumb thing to be doing. Um, And, um, you know, if you're a little bit savvy, you know, you pretty quickly might say, um, you know, meditation is not anything in particular. You know, just like you're not anything in particular, awareness is not anything particular. There's particular moments, but it doesn't continue moment to moment. So... And meditation is just what your experience is and then what you say about it. But meditation isn't one thing or another. So I at that point I said to myself, Oh, so you think the way that I'm meditating is stupid and dumb and idiotic? And then the voice says, That's right, I do. <laughs> it's stupid, it's dumb, it's idiotic. And you know, well, I I'm, I'm not sure I see it that way, but I can understand how you would you might. And <laughs> Because there are all these, you know, and then you might think the thing to do is to figure out which is the right view and eliminate the other views. (laughs) So many people have suggested that meditation is about sustaining a lot of contradictions. (laughs) And um, so finally, um, I said to this voice or this, you know, it's coming up, this is stupid. This Well, if you think the way that I'm meditating is so stupid, wh- how would you do it anyway? <laughs> I was being a little flip. But, <laughs> but all of a sudden, I was sitting there like... <laughs> I thought, wow, where did that come from? But that's some serious, intense energy, you know, that I was going to be calm and, you know... And if you want to contain your energy and make it all peaceful and calm and cheerful and nice and the way it should be, <laughs> oh, you you wouldn't want that to be part of it. It's kind of intense. <laughs> <laughs> and when it first shows up, it's especially intense, you know, when it surprises you. You're trying to keep it in this, you know, your life and your energy in this little Nice little place, acceptable, and then some incredible energy comes up and says, you know, let me out of this little box you've got me put into. So you might think that the obvious thing to do is get rid of the anger, but on the other hand, how are you going to have the big, huge, awesome energy of your life and have it be yours to do with what you want? Uh, Dogen at the, Dogen Zenji, says at the end of one of his pieces, <laughs> the treasure store opens and you will spend your treasure freely. And what's your treasure but your energy and your consciousness? You know, your the fullness and the richness of your consciousness. So it becomes to me a little, you know, strange to think of. Meditation is like, how do I manage this mm-hmm. so that we'll take care of it and have it all in good order, and, oh, I beg your pardon, I'll just cut that out. <laughs> Clean that up. You know, and you would be like the manager of this situation, but, you know, it's only goes so far. So, rather than being the manager, what about being the, you know, the the re- the, re- the rebels, the people on the street? <laughs> and what about, Taking charge of your life and finding out how to bring these two together. You know, the part of you that has a lot of ideas about how things should be and start to work with the way things are, which is not so obvious how to do this. And to how to, how to use the full, vast energy of your life. And what is it? How are you going to do that? And it, this is not something that anybody is going to tell you about how to do it. You're going to have to decide, I will have the deep energy of my life and I will find out how to use it, how, to, how, to, how it can be workable in my life. You know, rather than, and again, it's like, can I bring that energy into meditation? Not, I'm going to go act out my rage and anger. That doesn't, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't work. I've tried it. Not anything serious, no axes. or But enough so that people say, Ed, calm down. Relax. Don't worry. Stop. Stop it. And then they say, you've been meditating for how long? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're not never were very good at it were <laughs> <they>? <laughs> so this is um and so to me this is interesting you know and you know i and there's i think there's a place for how do you include you know your joy and your uh and your ease your well-being and how do you invite it and to begin to experience things rather than being on the lookout for what's coming up that's not doesn't isn't part of your agenda, and the kind of picture you created of how you were going to make your awareness and keep it that way. And, and the more you try to hold on to it and keep it that way, of course, that's a, already fragile. And it can break, it can shatter, and it falls apart, and then you lose it, and then you're lost, and now what do you do? And you have to start over again, and so, yeah, start over. (laughs) So, um, I found a lot of things, um, you know, like this coming up in my meditation, uh, over the years. And, um, and again, you know, rather than having a picture of mind and, and, which somehow seems to be, we start with this notion, you get a picture, and then you see if you can make your picture come true. See, whether it's your own awareness, your own life. How do you, you have a picture of a life that you could have, and how do I get my life to look like that picture? (laughs) And um, the alternative is, can I look at my life, and look at, you know, my experiences and begin to observe and perceive and notice what's going on, and start to work with it. And see how it comes out when I start to work with it. So so this is really obvious when it comes to cooking. You know, we start out, I started out cooking, you have a picture of how it's supposed to come out, and then you see if you can make it come out that way according to your picture, because then everybody will like it, they will like you, they will (laughs) approve of you, you will be recognized as being good and great, and And maybe some woman will go to bed with you. (laughs) When you're a young guy, you know, it's all about, you know, what can you do to perform well so that you get some recognition and approval. You know, it's not about, you know, actually having anybody get to know you or something, you know. You are much more in the position of, hi, is my act working for you? (laughs) But this is not just guys, you know this is you know also women <laughs> yeah what <laughs> no i'm I'm really sincere, I'm really honest and vulnerable, and I don't mind if you see me, yeah, right <laughs> anyway, um <clears throat> so um you know at some point, um, I tell people now. Instead of having a picture, why don't you taste what you put in your mouth and see what it tastes like? Not what you think it should taste like, what does it taste like? And, um, you know, I'm not the only one who says this. One of my friends, years ago, was at Esalen, was the cook there, and he had been to the Culinary Institute of America, you know, the other CIA. (laughs) And and he said, we had a chef there, and the chef would come around and say, Chef, what are you making? And you'd say, like, carrot soup. And then the, sh- the teacher would say, and what should carrot soup taste like? <laughs> and then you were supposed to say, carrot, carrots. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very easy for people who get into cooking, like, how about some pineapple and some ginger and some green chilies and a uh, little fresh basil? Doesn't this taste great? <laughs> Isn't this awesome? And then you, when you eat it, you wonder, like, is it carrots? Is it, <laughs> is it winter squash? Is it yams? Huh. <laughs> and um, it's a different kind of concept, not just to come up with a brilliant, you know, the way that you picture you have of a brilliant flavor, but what do carrots taste like? And then what do they taste like after a little bit of cooking, or cooked in butter, cooked in oil, cooked in water, steamed? What do they taste like? And then how do you bring out the carrotness of carrot? What is essentially carrot about carrot? And how are you gonna bring that out <laughs> and share that with people? So every people go, out, Wow, I didn't know carrots could taste so much like carrots. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and in this similar way, you know, there's this possibility. And this is not like overnight and not something you're gonna do because you heard some then raphasana, somebody agreeing, of a spirit rock, you know, talking. You know, it's something like, if you decide, I will work on this, and you start working on it, your life will change and something will happen. But this is also you. Rather than trying to make yourself over into this beautiful, magnificent, spiritual being, who never gets angry and is always calm and compassionate and whatever, you know, what about being you? And What are you like? What's going on with you? How do you work with that to bring out what is essentially you? And nobody can take your place, nobody's going to do it for you, and if anybody's going to do it, you're going to have to do it, to manifest a person who is supremely, superbly you, you know. And that means, you know, it's not about perfection, That's somebody who gets irritated here, and upset there, and, you know, stressed, and then, and is, you know, and is focusing, and working, and studying, and, you know, enjoying, and living, you know, living. And, and with all of the, you know, parents, and children, and the world, and the oil things, and, (laughs) you know, it's all, it's all happening. How are you going to be you in the midst of all this? And you don't, there's no instructions for this. And the meditation instructions for meditation kind of give you a context and a place to start. Why don't I sit down, sit still, and see what's happening? Like, tasting what you put in your mouth. Why don't I taste what's going on in me? And then, I'll dream up what to do with that, rather than trying to make myself over into this better person. After all, who's, you know, a better person than you. And maybe you could wait until he or she showed up, and then everything would be great, finally. (laughs) But in the meantime, like, let's just wait and see if that better person arrives, you know. And meantime, life isn't that great. (laughs) (laughs) Our new National Poet Laureate W.S. Murren wrote a poem about this, you know, to waiting for this better, more spiritual, wonderful person to show up. And meantime, you know, Um, You know, you were never that happy to be with who you were in the first place, right? (laughs) Anyway, so uh, this is my encouragement. Uh, And actually, you know, meditation, what is happening? How are you going to be with it? What are you going to do with you? You know, with all the thoughts and feelings that arise, and how are things going to inform you? It's not so obvious. Let's get rid of desire. Let's get rid of anger. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's make it the way it's supposed to be, according to the picture I have. And when you, you know, as you become more and more yourself, there's no picture for how to do you. Nobody's done you before. (laughs) Maybe you did last week, but, (laughs) you know, it's, now it's today, and how are you, how will you do it? So Zen Master Dogen said, um, let things, your observations, perceptions, thoughts, feelings, sensations, let things come home to your heart. Let things come home to your heart. Let your heart go out and abide in these things. It's very connected. But he didn't say, you may have some beautiful picture, you know, go out and make yourself over in that picture. So I think this is a big challenge, though, you know, and our culture gives us very little, you know, permission to kind of be studying and working through things and because um, the other thing that, you know, happens, um, as I mentioned, you know, the shadowy past is alive and vast and, you know, I, I spent years, you know, as soon as everything gets quiet and still and calm in meditation, there's the shadowy past. And it's not happy. <laughs> it's extremely painful. Um, and, you know, I think it's something like this for most of us. Uh, that um, And it's so interesting, you know, again, um, to come back to my friend, Polly, who was talking. She said, okay, in the therapy room, She says, I'm careful. I've got some boundaries, and I can listen to someone. I can tell them what's going on with me. I can ask them what's happening with them. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty clear. But you know, when I get home, I really want it to turn out the way I want it to come out. (laughs) (laughs) So I lose all my perspective and my boundaries, and I'm in the soup. I'm in the stew, mine and the other person's. So this is happening, you know, happens in our intimate lives, you know, with our f- with our friends and certainly our family, parents, children. Uh and it's this um uh you know, our our past experience gets reconstellated in as though it's the present and we believe it's the present. Um but, you know, this this in some ways started for me about 25 years ago. I had a girlfriend, and she said, Ed, you seem to be having some very intense feelings. You know, we've only known each other for four months now. I don't think this could be about me. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Of course it's about you. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to do some therapy, she said. Yeah, might. <laughs> but I'm a Zen teacher. <laughs> so, um, this is very interesting and it, it turns out it's possible to, you know, see your find your way through this. And to, you can find people who can help you if you need help. What's today and what's your memory and what's your emotion that's really today. And, and it's a lot of work. No, it's sort of like that proverbial uh, Persephone work. You know, is it Persephone, Eros, and the the to get her daughter back, Demeter. Demeter back? She had to sort the the. There's huge mountains of grain all mixed up, rice and corn and wheat and everything, and she has to sort it out by morning. And the ants come and help her, so there's kind of ant mind, psyche. psyche. Yeah, there you go. So, um, anyway, and we, you know, there's so, you know, if you're interested in this kind of business, you know, how to have the full, rich energy of your life, you know, you're going to be going on a mythic, a mythic journey and developing mythic capacities and sorting, sorting through things and what, you know, what is, what is what? And I let things come at home to my heart and then I'm going to respond with my heart and then, but that also means I'm going to have to clarify you know, what's my heart? What's my insight? What's my intuition? And what's my head? Thinking about how, uh, what I should do and shouldn't do, and what the rules are, and how to make it come out the way it's supposed to come out. And my head is pretty quickly going to get in the way. And for one thing, tell tell me, shut up, calm down, (laughs) relax. What's wrong with you? God, are you still being so emotional? I can't believe it. So, um, we need good friends for this, you know, and people who support us, um, to undergo what, you know, our lives and to move through this into a new life. (coughs) And I don't know any, I don't know any other way to do it, you know, um, you know, to have a, you know, I don't know how it's supposed to come out. I've I've had to stop thinking about how it's supposed to be and see how it is and then, you know, you meet people and then something happens and you want to do something else with them or you don't. And over the years I find people that, you know, it's interesting to work with them on what they're doing. You know, hands-on healing and change your handwriting and all kinds of things I've studied because I hear something, I meet somebody and, you know, and so this is something touches your heart and, you know, something connects to your heart and you let your heart connect back and because of these heart connections, you know, then you're, but having a heart connection, you know, I love the story about Rapunzel. It's pretty sweet to be up in that tower Nice views. (laughs) And you can have whatever you want. And you know, the bottom of the tower is protected by thorn bushes. It's a little thorny, you know, around you, but, and so nothing's going to get to you. And then, how's that, how is that for you? (laughs) (laughs) Or would you just assume something got to you, or like, certainly, you know, to your heart. And one day, Rapunzel, You know, the prince hears um, Rapunzel singing. Something gets to his heart and then he gets to her heart and pretty soon they're out in the world. It's like an exile. And they go through years of difficulty and successes and failures and woes and turmoil. And finally, years and years go by and then one day the Prince her, hears her singing. His eyes have been poked out by, you know, jumping out into the thorn bushes. So he can't even see her. He can't see what, you know, originally, what he originally fell in love with. And then finally he hears her singing. He says, Rapunzel, is that you? And she's, then she recognizes him. He's this, by this point, this old man. So, Um, And she recognizes him, and she starts to cry, and then her tears bring back his eyesight. Um, So that it's, it's pretty nice, the end here. But, you know, we have this whole life of turmoil to get there, perhaps, you know. And this is, we're involved in this ongoing, you know, journey of our life. What are we doing here? And we're undergoing, you know, some transformations and turmoils and and um, it's to it's to know our heart and it's to have our heart break open and to and to meet what touches us and to respond to what we connect with. And this isn't easy you know in our world or you know in human the human world generally you know but if it's something that you want, something that you know is there, and you say yes. That's, you know, and then your yes, you know, is very powerful then. This is the direction I want to go, okay. All right, thank you. (coughs) (laughs) Um. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.